What a way to end this segment. <laughs> I wasn't going I'm blind. They're blind. You're blind. We're all blind. <laughs> Hello, welcome to Hattrick. I am Jordan Dollar Coltman, joined by Brain Dollar Coltman and Elliot Tanti. Welcome back, boys. Uh, we had a big, very long episode last week. I promise our listeners this week this will be a much tighter and much quicker show. Um, many things that we predicted came to pass. Many did not with the expansion draft. I think there were a lot of surprises. We've also had the draft come by us, the actual draft come by us. It's gone, and we are getting ready this week for free agency. So we will talk NHL offseason. But the other big world sporting event, as controversial as it always is, and maybe even more so than normal, the Olympics. Um, that is underway in Tokyo. No fans in the stands, obviously, due to COVID. Whether they should have had it at all is a conversation that uh, we can have. Uh, but we're going to talk about the Olympics. And then because we have not had a hats off topic for several weeks, close to a month now, we thought we should go back to hats off. So first, as always, welcome, boys. How are you doing? Doing very well, thank you. Yeah, great. Nice to be here. Awesome. Great. Here we go. Let's topic one. Okay, so as mentioned, we're going to talk about the Olympics. They got underway this week in Tokyo, Japan. This is the 2020 Olympics, and I know it is 2021. That is because COVID put a stop to the Olympics for the first time, uh, post, first time the Olympics have ever been postponed. Uh, you know, big conversations that always happen around the Olympics. There's a, different perspectives, and I think all of them are valid when it comes to the conversations about the Olympics and the organization of the Olympics and the IOC and the money and the corporate sponsorship and all of those things. I think those are all important and valuable conversations to be had. Should we be having an Olympics right now in the middle of a global pandemic at all? Um, and obviously, should Japan be having an Olympics when it's pretty clear that the Japanese people en masse have, have stated they're not uh, in support of the games being there right now? They're having a big COVID um you know, the pandemic is very much still in effect in Japan. Very few people have gotten vaccinated. So, you know, all those conversations are fair and we can definitely open the floor up to those when we do this here in a second. But what I want to also just point out, and I think is valuable to, to another perspective to bring to it is I think it's also important to think about the athletes and many of these people, very young um, people who have dedicated their entire lives to this point, training and you know competing in sports that they clearly care a lot about and you can't take that part away from it you have to sort of separate those two things i think the corporate um intercontinental structure of the ioc and the olympics as a movement or whatever and then the actual individual athletes their families the dedication that those athletes have no one can deny that part of it and those are two different things so for me personally i always look at the olympics and i do always have huge respect for the athletes and i want to offer that up and we'll talk a little bit about them too but basically we're just going to talk about the olympics as we start we're in week one of it it'll be for next two weeks no fans in the stands as i mentioned but it's really a tv show anyway elliot what were your what are your initial feelings and have you been watching any of the olympics so far wow you've done a great job of just talking through the exact point that i was going to make which is i mean i'm feeling this moral dilemma around um you know everything in my being believing that these olympics should not be taking place but also caring deeply for the sacrifices made um, many of these athletes you know, they only get to do this so many times, sometimes only even once. And to have um, the Olympics taken away from them or even delayed has put a significant strain on their personal lives, their professional lives, and obviously their athletic lives too. So, you know, I similarly in a place where I'm trying to balance two, two different worlds. Um, I guess if I'm looking for an original point here, <laughs> I'll talk about... Um, 
you know, these, these new events that have been uh, brought into the Olympics this year. I think it was really smart by the IOC. I think they've gone about this in a really clever way. I was, you know, watching skateboarding yesterday and today. I watched the beginning of surfing, which was about as boring as I thought it might be. Uh, and looking forward and looking forward to some of the, um, you know, rock climbing events later on in the week. So, you know, I, I, it's interesting that they're expanding their horizons and the IOC is always interested in doing that. Um, but just like any new sports, like you saw a very large discrepancy in between like uh, the male and female skateboarders, for example, in terms of like what they were doing and, and, and just the dedication and the amount of money and time and effort that have gone into men's sports versus women's sports. And it's a great articulation of that. So excited about the new things and yeah, still stuck in this moral dilemma. I'm not sure that I have an answer for you. Braden. Yeah. I'm kind of with Elliot, just in the sense that, I mean, growing up as a passionate sports fan and a, and a proud Canadian, whatever that meant to me at the time, you know, the Olympics holds such high reverence and there's this, you know, this importance to it. And it only comes around every four years. And, you know, um, you know, the pride that these athletes um, uh, give their, their country. And I, I, there's something just so awesome about the globalization of event of an event like this, but just, you know, the, the dilemma being how this whole thing has played out in Japan with no fans, it getting pushed back a, a year, them saying this is not a safe time to even hold something like this. Uh, the IOC saying tough bananas, you're going to have to do it. And then them, you know, Japan saying, okay, well, we're not going to have fans. And the whole event in itself is, you know, um, just the controversy around that and how people feel about it. Um, I'm sure it's weird for these athletes to not have fans as it has been probably for many of their other events that they've taken place in. But the discrepancy that Elliot was just mentioning with, you know, the male sports to the, the, uh, the female sports the, I sent Jordan something this week here, uh, but the Norwegian women's beach handball team fined for refusing to wear bikinis. Like this is, a, this is such a problem. And yet this is, this is still what we're talking about when it comes to like, it's, it's so frustrating. It's very baffling that uh, just that that's, that that organization is allowing that kind of a thing to, I just, the decision-making just seems so, so far-fetched to me, but I don't know. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that there's, but that's what the Olympics always ends up being is this sort of weird contradiction of, you know, the, 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 this pure idea of bringing the nations of the world together in, you know, a friendly competition. And then the fact that to be able to afford that in the modern world, the amount of corporate dollars, the amount of uh, corporate endorsements is really what the event is. It's a giant advertising and marketing campaign. It's why, you know, I joked, I remember joking very early last year, pre, you know, uh, NBA and NHL shutdown, but like the, the two or three weeks leading to that when there was so much uncertainty about what COVID was going to be and everyone sort of going, oh, maybe this will, they'll have to postpone the Olympics. And I remember joking and saying, there's not a chance in hell they'll postpone the Olympics. It's the biggest TV show in the world. And look at, they did postpone it, but a year later, they're still having it because it is still the biggest TV show in the world. The ad revenue and, and, and money that is pouring into, you know, all of the interested parties is a huge part of it. So yeah, it doesn't surprise me that corporations that have invested so much money in sponsoring apparel and sponsoring whatever else uh, is part of it. I mean, down to the fact that literally the United States underwear provider uh, 
is Kim Kardashian. Like, there's just something so silly about the entire structure. However, as I, I think Elliot also very much articulated, you know, there is this contradiction. There is still this sporting event occurring, and, and it is a beautiful idea uh, of having all of these people. And there are so many unique sports that, you know, especially in North America, we do never, we, we never get a, a chance to experience and really get to, to watch. And they are, I mean, they're amazing watching this. I'm not a skateboarding fan. I'm sure I could watch the X games or whatever and see that, but I, I, I sat for 45 minutes this afternoon and watched them. You know, when do we ever watch competitive swimming outside of an Olympiad year? Nobody, you know, unless you're a swimming, a former swimmer or something, you just don't do it. And yet I watched twice already Canadians win win medals in swimming. And I get excited when I get the little alert on my phone from the CBC app saying, hey, there's a final going on. I'm like, oh, cool, let's watch it. And I think, you know, it's a safe and it's a fair way for, I think, a lot of people to express their patriotism. I think a lot less nowadays than maybe a few years ago. And that that's a bigger conversation about where we're at. We know that, you know. But I think that there's also, there is just, I don't know. It's a big bundle of contradictions. It it oh, just this... doesn't hold my attention the way that it, it once did either. Like I just, mm. unless you really care about the sport in itself. Yeah. I just, yeah. yeah I'm not as engaged as it once was. Well, here's the greatest contradiction of all. So Braden brings up this excellent story and excellent point about women's apparel and volleyball. Uh, yet, you know, for many people, um, they will watch women's sports once every two years and it's during the winter and, and, and summer Olympics, summer games, you know, like it's like, it's yeah. sort of like either the, that is the contradiction of itself in so many ways. It, it, that's the, that manifests so much of that mm-hmm. contradiction. Mm-hmm. Larice pointed out something very funny and it's sort of a flip side of it. She said, I think there's only one sport in the world where men wear less clothing than women and it's swimming <laughs> because the, <laughs> men are, the men are the ones in that sport where they're basically naked. But, um, but I just anyway. don't, understand, again, with that, like I don't, I, I get uniform and I get Jersey, but that there's, there's something about that, that it seems really fucked up. Like with a close, yeah, Brian, it's called sexism on an upward angle. Like it's called sexism. description. Yeah. That's a problem. Yeah, no shit. It's a problem. It's a problem in all every other part of our society. I think it it's just it's and how, so blatant can, how does and, an, yeah, but how does an organization of that magnitude it, it, it carry that? I don't know. Go when, ask Hollywood how they carry it. Go ask uh, any other uh, uh, you know fashion industry how they carry it. A- a- ask advertising how they carry it. Sexism is so rampant and so systemic in our society that it's it, it does surprise us occasionally when we notice how blatant it is because we've completely gone blind to it. I think. Anyway, yeah. Uh, I guess that'll be topic one. We'll leave it there. Do you or someone you know own a small business? Are you looking to grow or to reach new customers? Hey, why not let us help? Hattrick is looking for unique brands, businesses, and products to advertise on our show. You can find out how we can help spread the word about your business by contacting us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. All right, on to... On to uh... <laughs> on to sports that aren't even being played. Uh, the NHL offseason has very much become the NBA offseason. Uh, it has been one of the busiest I can recall. Uh, I think, obviously, a lot of factors going into that. we got a flat cap. We've had this abbreviated season. Not a lot of movement happened, if any movement really happened last year, just because teams weren't quite sure what the season was going to be, you know, and the, and the offseason was so truncated after the bubble. Um, and so, and the, the expansion draft, obviously, being a big factor here where teams made a lot of decisions in anticipation of that. We did our, our whole big expansion draft uh, last week. Um, 
But now that we've seen the Seattle picks come in and obviously all of the ripples and ramifications of that, um, Braden, where, where do you feel we stand right now in this offseason? Not just as Oilers fans, but just in general. Is the NHL offseason the most exciting thing going on for you in sports? Uh, absolutely. I am on every article about what every rumor uh, has to offer right now. There's a lot of movement is it, and it's a lot of fun. Like I remember the, the first year that the NBA players really started to say um, going over here or I'm, I'm teaming up with this guy. We're not really seeing that kind of a thing. We haven't hit free agency yet, but it seems like we're primed for a lot of different action, a lot of different movement. I think um, the best move of the off season so far was um, somehow Steve, Steve Eisenman um, pried the uh, Calder goalie out of Carolina and Alex Nadelkovich and uh, seem to be fast tracking their, uh, their rebuild here. Um, I'm liking, I'm liking a lot of the movement. I think it's going to be fun to see some of these bigger guys in, uh, in different markets. Um, Arizona seems to be stockpiling all of these bad contracts and hopefully they're willing to take a few of um, the Edmonton team's uh, terrible contracts. Um, but they seem they're, they're kind of, uh, it seems like they're doing a lot of what OKC was doing, um, stockpiling draft picks. And uh, it should be interesting to see what happens Wednesday. Uh, Elliot, anything stick out for you so far? Man, I just love this. I think every year we should have a new team come into the league and the salary cap should remain flat. I mean, it's it's like <laughs> makes it way, way more fun and yeah. way more Lots interesting. Lots of strategy. Yeah, and it's it's sort of it's I think we got used to the banality of every year the salary cap's going to go up, so someone's going to get paid, and that's and you know all those chickens came home to roost for a lot of general managers, and we're starting to see that now um, because these guys have to field competitive teams, or you know if you're Columbus, I guess you don't, but you know like these guys have to sort of figure things out, and and it's been really interesting to watch every day. There's something new and exciting, and it, it may not even be for a team that you support or even necessarily care about, but it's like you know like. Yeah. Jones to Chicago. That was like a sure. huge deal. That's like something interesting to, yeah. to take note of. I did take a jab at, at CBJ, but I, I just, I love how Columbus, they just, I love Columbus. And I understand why so many people's second favorite team is Columbus because the way they operate, it's just like, there's no like halfway mark. It's just like, if you're where they were like, we're in rebuild now, let's just sell off our team. <laughs> and then that's yeah. sort of like what they've done. And it's like, it's no, there's no like half-assed thing about them. And so if there's one team, there's no, there's not one move, you know, there's tons of moves you could point to that are really interesting, but I just like, I just enjoy how Columbus operates as an organization. Like think about all the players that have, that have gone in the last 12 to um, 18 months out of that place included. And then on top of that Tortorella, it's like a fresh slate, new draft picks, um, uh, anyway, that, that, that was, I just think it's so interesting. Is that a thing? Like is, is Columbus everybody's favorite, second favorite team? I didn't even know that. I have a, a lot of, I, I have a lot of Edmonton <laughs> Oilers fan, fans that are like, yeah, C, I wow. cheer for CBJ when they're like, yeah. Like, and I think, I, I, I think some of it was Gagne. I think some of it was a bunch of different stuff. And, uh, and they were for, for a while there, they were doing some really interesting stuff. I had no idea. Uh, yeah. Huh. That's really, that's really cool. Okay. You know what? <laughs> 
what, what I would just what I would just throw in and add is I agree with both of you that it's been fun and I think that that's true. I think the only people that hasn't been fun for right now uh, are the general managers. I don't think any general manager in the league right now is enjoying how chaotic and hectic this is because I think they're all terrified that that, that they're going to have to make a mistake somewhere. They just know it's bound to happen because they're moving. Everything's moving so fast. You know, you you look at that Seth Jones contract and you know the first thing I think of is what is what does Darnell Nurse ask for next year, and right. that's a big factor that you have to start playing you know we a lot of people obviously have been on ken holland about all kinds of decision making but you got to think about the three-dimensional chess this guy has to play right first he's making mm-hmm. decisions based on the expansion draft i don't think he expected adam larson to be their pick i really don't when you listen to his press conference oh. after he sounded surprised you know he Absolutely. thought he had a different conversation so that changes well and it sounded like him. the offer was the same so if the offer is the yeah. same you take that shit personally yeah exactly and i think that that really sort of flipped flipped his world upside down and now he has to kind of go back to to where where do we go from here but they're thinking you know they have to be thinking two three years out the only thing i will say is elliot brought up in the last one we had a bit of a we went kind of back and forth on this idea of like what is the philosophy for ken holland and the oilers and i think this is fair for every team but it's like do you build for today or do you build for tomorrow and is there is is it even possible to do both things simultaneously and i would argue this i think the edmonton oilers it looks like they've got a seven-year deal with Zach Hyman. A lot of people are going to say, well, that's way too long a contract for $5.5 million AAV. Here's my argument. That's a four-year deal with four years at the end because it's in those fourth, first four years that you either win a Stanley Cup or you're going to watch this team fall apart. That's just the truth of it. The, the, the window is very small for the success that this team is going to have to have for its stars to not get restless. This is not a market that a whole bunch of guys are clamoring to get into. I think that there's a lot of... Um, guys who are re-signing that are wanting to be here and that costs you a bit of a premium. Ryan Nugent Hopkins wants to finish his career here. You know, is there another guy out there as good as him? Probably, but he probably costs you something different. Mike Smith clearly wants to win a Stanley Cup and retire an Oiler. Let's go and try to do that. They have to get some guys in here, but I think they have to build for today first, Elliot. And if you have to mortgage and compromise your future a little bit, I think you can get out of trouble or you're going to have to find a way to get out of trouble later. But if you win three well, Stanley Cups, people are going to take three or four years oh, yeah. of trouble. Yeah, we're making sure if you're winning three Stanley Cups. I think just to clarify your point, you're talking about at the end of four years, Connor McDavid's contract's up. And five. the year after that, or five. the year after that, is it five? Uh, uh, Leon's no, four. Leon, Connor's Leon's four. Leon's, Leon's, Leon's four. four. Connor's five. So you, yeah. you're talking about the four-year window. And Jordan, it's a very astute point. Everyone, uh, you could be doing talk radio here in Edmonton because that's basically what everyone's been saying on the on the radio for the last week since all, all these deals. I, I guess I, you know, my concern as always, and I will say is, uh, I don't think I don't think you're ready to win now when you get swept in four games in the first series of the playoffs. But I do appreciate that stuff needs to happen right now, and and a lot of these deals. Um, they're going to be eights. There's going to be sevens. There's going to be uh, really terrible five-year deals that the Oilers sign in the next two or three years. And, and that's all about winning right now. And, and I fully appreciate that that's because that's that needs to happen now, right? It's just nice to see that some of those veterans coming in. I think that that's something that the Oilers have kind of lacked in the last few. They've relied so heavily on that young core. It'll be, yeah, it'll be good to see that. Okay, we'll leave it there. Okay, topic three. The everybody's favorite uh, segment, hats off. We haven't done it in a few weeks, uh, and I know it's Elliot's favorite, so we'll go to Elliot first. Elliot, uh, who are you taking your hat off to this week? Yes, 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 yes. This week I tip my hat to one Margaret McNeil, winner of Canada's first gold medal at the Olympics this year. Uh, won it in the 100-meter butterfly. My favorite discipline to watch, actually, is the butterfly. 
Um, so congratulations to Maggie McNeil, as they say, Canada's first gold medalist at these 2020 Olympic Games. Is that what they say? Um, Braden, <laughs> uh, who are you taking your hat off to? I'm going to tip my hat off to the future and gold medalist, first gold medalist ever uh, in the skateboarding competition, Nishia uh, Momiji. Hope I'm saying that correctly. She's only 13 years old and she just won a gold medal um, at the Olympics first ever uh, skateboarding competition. Uh, it's awesome. Really, really cool. I don't, uh, I think it's the only, <laughs> the only Olympic event I've watched so far. I was very thrilled for her. Awesome. Well, we're all doing Olympic athletes. So even though in our first topic, we talked about how maybe the Olympics don't hold our attention as well, we seem to have all been drawn to some th- some storyline. So that's obvious uh, and obviously cool. So I will finish this off by tipping my hat to one Oksana Chusvitanya. I don't think I said the last name right, but I tried really hard. She's a 46-year-old gymnast who just retired Whoa. after not qualifying for the finals. She's the, the oldest athlete ever to compete in the Olympics as a gymnast. Her career wow. spanning over 30 years. She first won gold in Barcelona in 1992. Every wow. single athlete, with the exception of her, in her sport discipline is under the age of 20 this year. So they're all young enough to be almost her grandchildren. So she's not the oldest, then. She's the most experienced. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. She actually competed. She's from Uzbekistan. And she the first time she went to the Olympics, she actually competed under the banner of the Commonwealth of Independent States because the Soviet Union yeah. had collapsed and the country of Uzbekistan hadn't even got its independence yet. So although 30 years is a very long time, it's impressive. Um, she's she, she said after retiring today that she's only been competing this long because it was the best way to be able to provide for her family. I'll tell you this, any 46-year-old who can qualify for the Olympics, uh, I, I mean, that's just unbelievably impressive to me. So my hat goes off to her. What an unbelievable career. And uh, I, I, don't, I don't think that's something we will ever see again. Fun fact, oldest Olympian to ever compete in the Olympics was one Oscar Swan from Sweden, who at 72 competed in the 1920 Olympics in shooting. Wow. In shooting, it's <laughs> a very old man shooting a gun. In shooting, you hope there's I mean, no I think it's impressive that he made it to 72 in 1920 yeah. and could so. still shoot. <laughs> <laughs> well, he had to shoot, it was survival. It was the 1920s, yeah. everyone could he had shoot. To shoot his shot. <laughs> All right, <laughs> uh, that is our show for this week. Thank you to Braden, thank you to Elliot. Our hats are off to our Olympians, and uh, we will be back next week with another. Uh, riveting and I'm sure enjoyable episode. That was Hattrick. Hattrick is a member of the Ordinary Podcasting Network. It's produced every week by Jordan Dyler Coltman and Braden Dyler Coltman. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks for listening. I love that it's, 19, it's the 1920s. Everybody knows how to shoot. <laughs>
as well as the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, including the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. We acknowledge the many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit, whose footsteps have marked these lands for generations. And we extend our appreciation for the opportunity to live, create, and share stories on these territories. The Ordinary Podcasting Network intends to engage in conversations and dialogue, which acknowledge that reconciliation is not a destination, but a journey, and that we remain committed to practicing our craft in a decolonized space.